Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn two great friends, gone now these 18 years. World Championship Wrestling, known to his friends as WCW, and Extreme Championship Wrestling, those that loved him called him ECW. In this episode, we'll break down the rise and fall of these once two great companies, what happened, why it happened, and how it impacted the wrestling business to this day. I'm TJ, he's Franklin, and this is Body Slammed. So, Franklin, you know what the WrestleMania season always reminds me of more than anything, really, other than WrestleMania? Uh, I, I had something for this. No, go. It's, that, it's, it's around this time that we lost WCW and ECW. Oh, yeah, that was right before WrestleMania, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, because I remember in, in 19... No, 2001. 2001. Because at WrestleMania 17, Shane pointed at all the WCW wrestlers up in the, up in the way nosebleeds. It was a funny story, a side note about that. Do you know why they were sitting all the way up there? They, I assume out of spite from Vince. They were supposed to be involved in Shane and Vince's match, but Sean Stasiak leaked it to a very early podcast, and they kiboshed the whole thing. You guys sit in the goddamn nosebleeds now. <laughs> Sorry, whatever. But anyway, so it's been unbelievably 18 years now since Jeez. the death of these two companies. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been 18 years. When, when, when would you say that the death was uh, more or less felt like it was inevitable? Because I, I have a, a visual or a mental image of them ending late 90s because I think that's when I kind of tuned out. I think uh, the day that man for, for WCW when Mankind won the belt and Tony Schiavone did his famous butts and seats line. Yeah, so that would have been late 90s, yeah. right? And that was also the night of the finger poke of doom. So that's that was the end of ECW. Man... They really still had something going. ECW until... always felt like they were one week away from falling apart anyway. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like uh, Tommy Dreamer always says they were the only company to go under but still had a fan base, which is true. Yeah. Because the AWA, once they went under, finally had nothing going for them. And WCW was, you watched it except a train wreck. Yeah. But ECW consistently had fans and every year they were adding yeah. more fans to the point where they were consistently selling out very quickly. And, you know, they just couldn't monetize it right. There's there's the tale of two companies though too, because I was said in a previous podcast when you have non-wrestling people making the wrestling decisions like you had in WCW, it doesn't work. It falls apart, like it obviously did. And when you have wrestling people dealing with the money, like you had in ECW, it falls apart, and it obviously did. Yeah, that's one of the biggest uh, complaints I've heard against Paul Heyman is that as a genius he, as he is at booking yeah. and promoting and even on the mic and playing character, he's not great when it comes to the checkbook. I don't know if it was Tommy Dreamer or the Sandman that was like, oh, yeah, I would love him to be the president, just not the Secretary of the Treasury. <laughs> you know, just no. And I think it was more to the point of ECW is they were such a small company that everyone was doing multiple ro roles. Yeah. Like, the, the fucking wrestlers were selling T-shirts. Yeah, Tommy... You know? uh, Tommy 
I don't know, it was Tommy or Taz that designed the T-shirts. I think Taz designed it. I yeah. think Tommy was selling them like yeah. after shows and stuff, and, and like, even taking the or like the online the phone yeah. orders back in the day. Well, yeah, order. I mean, if there was the classic story of Stevie Richards having to get an, uh, a fake name when he answered the phone in the ECW office, he was Lloyd Van Buren because <laughs> he has a distinctive gravelly voice. Yes, from, he does. He is very distinct. Every documentary, he's, it has not changed in twenty years. Yeah, but I mean. I would like to, I said in another in a previous podcast, I would like to destroy the illusion that we lost something great with WCW. <laughs> because, okay, they had two great years, 96 and 98. Otherwise, they were fucking terrible. Yeah, and this is actually something that uh, Brandon has brought up, who's yeah. sadly not with us on the, on, he's not with us, he's not yeah, with he hasn't us died. today. Yeah, not with us today, <laughs> yeah. tonight. But he, he brought up that fact that, like, uh, he rewatched, I think, most of uh, the like late eighties, early nineties yeah. went through almost every episode of, of nitro and, you know, and, and watch the Monday night wars. And the thing you said about WCW is like, Oh, there was a lot of shit. Well, like, it wasn't the late eighties, early nineties. It was probably like WCW Saturday night. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, that was yeah. it. Yeah. Saturday night. But it was still one of those things where you would constantly yeah. say like, Oh, there's so much crap that you, as a kid, you don't remember the, the really low lows. Yeah. You just remember the great moments. Yeah. I remember the, like I've watched a lot of, uh, WCW main event and stuff like that and WCW Pro and Thunder on the network. And like I said, outside of that two-year period, it's like, what is this crap? So th- if if WCW was only good for two years, didn't Sting spend like 1.5 of those good good two years in the Raptors? In the Raptors, yeah. <laughs> so his best, probably the best era of Sting yeah. was when he didn't wrestle. But let's go ahead and break it down real quick as how these companies started. Both were originally part of the NWA. As almost every, yeah. Any yeah. Long- every, every company in existence right now, because AEW hasn't officially launched yet, but uh, every company but Ring of Honor was a part of the NWA. Yeah. WWF, WCW, ECW, Impact, all of them were. Yeah, okay, that was, it's such a weird thing that it was, I mean, I guess it was kind of uh, centralized to like the... It was kind of a southern Midwestern yeah. thing mm-hmm. before like Vince kind of took it over and took it to both the coast. Vince had that Northeast Triangle. And he thought that that style of wrestling would appeal nationally. And it did, obviously. It still yeah. is. But it was Jim Crocker Promotions was what Ted Turner bought. And Jim, Jim Crocker Promotions in the late to mid to, mid to late 80s was, was the NWA. There were other promotions, but Jim Crocker Promotions held Starcade. They had Atlanta. They had Charlotte. They had, you know... Charleston, South Carolina, the big NWA cities. Yeah. Anybody who was anybody went through them. Yeah. They fell on some hard times because of Vince's expansion and Vince just kicking their ass and having more money. And Ted Turner comes in and that's when the ball starts rolling. They, they go from, you know, Jim Crocker Promotions, NWA, they go to WCW, World Championship Wrestling, which was the name of their television program that they had before they changed the name of the company to that. Yeah. So, and then I mean, you... How long until, because they were around for what, one or two years before they signed Hogan and that's when things... Oh no, quite a lot. They, 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 it officially became WCW in 1988. In 80, and then they signed Hogan in, in, in 94. Okay, so they were on quite a while, just yeah. kind of toiling in, uh, not obscurity, but they were not toiling doing... In, in, yeah, they were at an almost like an impact level, or more like a Ring of Honor level, where, yeah, people knew of them, but they were not taken seriously. Yeah. They, they had the reach. They weren't doing the Madison Square Garden shows no. that, that the WWF was at the time. Yeah, what, what, they, what they had was Ric Flair and the Horsemen, and really great wrestling, but not those big names that the WWF had. And, uh, man, I don't know if Jim Crockett could have held on if if Ted Turner's influence, because once Turner got involved, it became corporate. Yeah. And one thing I've always said about the WWE. And then it became Bischoff. Yeah. 
Well, Bischoff was okay when it became Russo was the was the problem. Bro. Yeah, but I mean, I blame one for the other. Yeah. So. But well, we'll get later who ultimately is responsible for the death of WCW. But Vince McMahon. Spoiler alert. No. Well, <laughs> not really. I I blame him for like he's the mafia don yes. getting everyone shot in the back of the head. To the an extent, world. yes. But we'll we'll get there. One thing I've always said about WWE WWF is that they are a wrestling company. They may make movies. They make put books out but they are a wrestling company WCW became a piece of the Turner pie because even the channel they were on was just he just threw them on the channel yeah. he owned yeah, it wasn't they didn't have a fan base on that channel I mean, for yeah. wrestling he yeah, just they did. Kinda... Oh, yeah, of, course, of course they did T- well, T- TBS was built on world championship wrestling that show like they, there wouldn't be the reach they had if they didn't have that wrestling program the 605 on Saturdays there's people that still wear t-shirts you know 605 Saturday night. night yeah but once it became a piece of the corporate machine and everyone in the piece and Bischoff talks about how if you looked at the time Turner Broadcasting Turner Time Warner Broadcasting sheet it'd have all their Braves games Hawks games a lot of the allowance for those games and then other and WCW was that other yeah so well, that's what I remember because I remember coming over when I was very young watching wrestling at your house and it seemed like WWF would you would it would have a channel it'd have like it like the like the network knew it was on air. Like yeah. versus when you went to WCW, it was like they didn't seem like even the commercials they were putting in the middle. Like they didn't even know what was airing at that moment. Yeah, it's like we didn't have cable back in that day. I mean, not a lot of people did. But WWF had superstars Saturday mornings, easy to watch. Get up Saturday morning in your pajamas, you're sure you'll watch your wrestling. Yeah, you literally watched Saturday morning cartoons yeah. and wrestling. Yeah. It was that. It was WWF superstars. It was awesome. Matt Matt and um. Granted, you got a bunch of squash matches in one match with Superstar versus Superstar. Yeah, but as but a whatever. kid, you didn't know what a squash match was. Yeah. So. But WCW Worldwide, which was their syndicated program, was on at midnight yeah. on Saturday. That, that is the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, you're that not, is really, getting, yeah. that you're is, not getting the kids. That is really hard for You're going eight, for yeah. the insomniacs without yeah. jobs. That is really hard for eight-year-old TJ to do after being in school all week <laughs> to stay up and watch WCW Worldwide. As much as I love Flying Brian and Barry Windham, it was hard. Yeah. But what really turned them around was, A, the signing of Hulk Hogan, and B, Monday Nitro. And I'm not one of those guys that complains about Nitro being on Mondays, because there was no other day that they could have been on. And do you know why? No, I don't. So I T- don't it's been a long time since I've had a TV access. I don't yeah. remember. So TNT at the time had the NBA contract. They still might. I don't know. But they had NBA games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So wrestling couldn't be on those nights. And at that point, Friday was a death slot. Yeah. It still kind of is, but DVRs yeah. took care of that. Yeah, but that is still where they shove uh, show, sitcoms they, show. they think are going to die. And- yeah. So it's either compete with WWE, be on Monday nights, or die. Or be preempted on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the majority of the year. Yeah. And, and when, every time a game goes game. over. Yeah. So I don't so much blame them for being on Mondays. And I'd like the Monday Night or I like what it did. But leading into Bischoff, and Vince McMahon's a liar. If you obviously that is the probably the least uh, shocking but, thing yeah, you've ever said in this if, podcast. If you ever watched the rise and fall of WCW DVD, it talks about how I never wanted to hurt anyone's business. I wanted to compete. It's like you fucking liar. Yeah, you wanted to crush them, which yeah. is why you take every opportunity to yeah. remind us now that you did crush them. But at least Eric Bischoff was honest that he wanted to crush, kill, destroy. Yeah, and I think that's the mentality you had to have. And for the very least, and this yeah. is the reason I'm excited about AEW now yeah. is that I just want the competition because that breeds better storytelling yeah. and, and for a fan that's what you want you want the companies out there vying for your attention your money your time to the point of of how much Bischoff likes to gloat his podcast free plug is called 83 weeks 
because that was the 80, they beat them 83 weeks in a row in the ratings. And he just will not let go of that yes. number. And uh, like every episode, his co-host is like, uh, so how did I turn the ratings this week? Like, it didn't. <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> but what what ultimately led to the, the, the arrival and the success and the success of WCW was, of course, the NWO and Hogan turning heel. Like Which some, has got to be... An, in early wrestling storytelling, one of the greatest shocking moments of all time. Yeah. Did you tell you, like, I don't know that. I mean, how old were you when Hogan, in 96, how old were you? Uh, 96, I would yeah. have been seven. Yeah, so did you, in your little seven-year-old mind, did you ever see Hogan being a bad guy? No, well, because he had actually kind of disappeared on me for a while. Yeah, he was do- doing in w- WCW. Yeah. yeah, and then when he went to WCW, that was, but that was the most shocking moment. I think that's what sold it, though. It's also what set WCW apart, because they could have brought Hogan in, done the All-American Hero thing again. Mm-hmm. And, and they just did for a while. It. And they did. But they and did, I think started, that's when I lost them, because I didn't yeah. care. Because he started getting booed, because, like, who wants to see this? It's the Cena factor. Who wants to keep seeing this character do these stuff? Yeah. You know? And as much as the people will say now that Cena would be much more interesting if he turned him heel once. He has been healed. It was okay when he was the evil rapper. Yeah, he's to me he's annoying. So even when yeah. he's evil, he's still annoying. But now he's like Mister Make a Wish. He can't be a heel. He's gonna be a babyface until he retires. Yeah. One of the things I loved about Hogan's heel turn the most was that Bobby Heenan would jump back and forth between babyfaces and heels. Like if you were a good guy or a bad guy, if you were a bad guy, he liked you. Good guy, he hated you. He still hated Hogan. When, when he, ho- when, when he, yeah, he's like, I told you you couldn't trust him. That bastard. <laughs> it's like. Because they were such, they were late, huge friends. They loved yeah. each other, and so. also played up the whole thing about the NWO being despised within WCW, yeah. and that they were a true outsider group. Yeah. It, it didn't start with NWO. It started with the, I mean, really when they brought in Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash. And Kevin Nash yeah. was when things started to change, and they started to really play with the kayfabe of it, mm-hmm. and really, which had to do even with WWE. The uh, when they did the, the click, yeah, when they did the the, the hand gesture, the hand gesture yeah. in the ring, copyright. <laughs> Trademark season assist. That was the day that uh, kayfabe died, though, wasn't it? And I, yes. it seemed like WCW started to lean into that a little the curtain bit. Curtain call. Yeah. yeah, but um, and ultimately, like a lot of things, too much of a good thing. The NWO partially started leading to the flip of WCW's good luck, because eventually, when you've got thirty different guys wearing NWO shirts, and there's nobody to beat them. Well, what's the point? Yeah. And it, it was exciting for yeah. a brief time because you had like four ca- core members. Different. And then they started adding a couple of members, which was like, all right, that's fine. And then Sting, and then you had two different NWOs, then you had three. Yeah. Did they well, get okay. up to four? The LWO was never actually an NWO. But it's still diluting the property. Yes, it was in response to the... Like, I hate when people talk about the Latino faction of the NWO. Oh, no, they weren't, but it was yeah. just like when you yeah. can lump them in together, you know you're starting to to uh, dilute that water a little absolutely. too much. Absolutely, absolutely. And I can agree with that. That's absolutely true. But um, but by that point, also, you had yeah. the regular NWO had half the roster on it. Yeah. So, like, I love when someone points out on one of the documentaries I think that like when they when they would start to come out it would take 30 minutes because yeah. they had so many damn members and, and, and I mean, the no, no disrespect some of these guys but when you've got Virgil in the NWO yeah I was like I, I didn't know because it's not doing anything for Virgil to be yeah. in the NWO at that point it's and, not, and it's only bringing the NWO down and the big boss man at the lowest point in his career when it was Ray Trailer like Big Bubba Rogers it's like what why I mean and you know Michael Wall Street IRS is in the NWO and like what the fuck is going yeah, cause, on? Yeah, because originally it was the uh, it was literally the Outsiders. The Outsiders, three, yeah, it was the Outsiders, and then it was Hogan, and then it was the Giant, and then it was Six. But it was even like metaphorically Outsiders. These are people who didn't fit yeah. in. They were a little too wild. Well, they got sued. Do you know they got sued over that? The Outsiders tag. Oh yeah, because well, because WWF sued over them being portrayed as, as their WWF own guys yeah. coming in. 
And which is, I mean, it's obvious they were. Razor Ramon came in, and you can call him Scott Hall. He's, he was doing he the, the exact... Toothpick. But here's the thing. We watched... Remember that horrible match we watched with the Diamond Stud? Oh, uh, yeah. The, the Thunderdome cage match? He had the toothpick. He had the slick back hair in WCW before he was in the WWF. That lawsuit, in my opinion, was without merit. Oh, I'm sure most of the lawsuits the WWE yeah, But they somehow won it. And yeah. lawyers, man. Lawyers. Cool, because uh, Bischoff has claimed that Turner would settle anything if it would save him money. If the cost-benefit analysis was like, we can settle this for this much and not have to do it anymore, we're done. And that's what that Instead was Instead of sticking Instead, up for the artistic or what yeah. they thought was actually right. Yeah, their, what they thought was their IP, or in this case, Scott Hall's IP. They're just going to say, well, we'll settle it fine. It'll cost I mean, us less money. If we're being real honest, it's probably Al Pacino's yeah. IP. <laughs> yeah. But the thing, like the dilution of the NWO and then the breaking apart of the Wolfpack and NWO Hollywood, and then, which is, we touched on it earlier, when they came back together with the legendary finger poke of doom. Which spelled all but disaster. Yes. You've got Hulk Hogan, who had, quote-unquote, retired to run for president, come back. St- still waiting on that presidential campaign. Yeah. 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 And... And here comes Kevin Nash, who is the you know reigning, defending leader of the Wolfpack champion, who had beaten. See, I feel so bad for him. Every time he was champion, ratings dipped. It does not seem like it was the. And it's because he's just not great. He's, yeah, he's, he's not charismatic. He wasn't charismatic enough a, to hold the title. He's a big, good-looking dude, and he can work better than people give him credit for. But he's, I, I never watched a Kevin Nash match and went, oh boy. Yeah. But you know, he beat Goldberg Streak, which was something else that led to the end of WCW. <laughs> And that's the other thing. They yeah. had so many great ideas that they squandered. They had Goldberg, who they were able to build up into a huge... Yeah. It was, I mean, the, the, the excitement the, alone. It was 20 minutes of anticipation and a five-second payoff. Yeah. It was, it was. was. Goldberg was legitimately their only homegrown star. Because Sting came from Jim Crockett. Luger came from Jim Crockett. Hogan came from... WWF. Every, yeah. And Hall Nash came from WWF. He was the only guy. And they beat him on a stupid match that... Nah, whatever. We'll get to that in a minute. But the <laughs> finger... We'll, we'll touch back on that. The finger poke of doom, you know, Tony Schiavone the same night giving away the results for for WWE or WWE's big title change, you know that'll put butts in seats. It did. I changed the channel. Yeah, Wait, and, Mick, and most people did. Mick, what amazes me is like if you're gonna give away the results, you got to know that what you're about to show is gonna be way better. Yeah. And it but wasn't like, like when you were, when, you were, when Mick Foley, who is beloved by the entire wrestling universe, is gonna win the title finally. What? Yeah, to this point, I mean, mm-hmm. he'd already been in WCW. Uh, yeah. So, like, the name was familiar. He still had fans, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, but, you know, after after that nonsense that was giving away the ending, these two guys stand into his face and a little finger touch, and boom, down goes Nash, and one, two, three, and the NWO is reformed as one, more, and once more, a giant faction. And I've still, I mean, I've, I've listened to podcasts, I've listened to interviews and shoot interviews about that, and, like, I, I still don't know what... Who thought that would be a good idea, or how someone was, was able to convince... Hogan's ego thought it would be a good idea. Yeah, I guess everyone was just willing to bow down to that. That uh, Hogan had creative control in his contract. He could say when he went and won, won and lost. So that's and he's like. But yeah. was he able also to say how he won and lost? Because was apparently, like, I was just wondering like if he just like all know, of his matches were finger pokes of doom from now on. That's yeah. wrestling to him. But going back to you know Nash and Goldberg, I remember showing you Goldberg for the first time because I had gotten into the streak a little bit. I I waned on it towards the end because I'm like this is getting kind of. 
That's always been you're, you've always been one of those people that get into stuff way earlier than most people, and then when it becomes mainstream, oh, yeah. you're like, I'm so I'm hipster. So I'm so hipster. So done with this. So hipster. <laughs> no, but no. Yeah, I do remember you showed me that. It, the amazing thing I remember you telling me to wait until because uh, after like the sparklers and everything, yeah. you can't see them for a minute because it just bleaches yeah. out the screen, like, and then it comes back, and you you just said uh, the the bull, and he just yes. snorts those lines. Yeah. Of, uh, or Which like, could not have been good for him breathing that fireworks. No, like, not at all. But it was an amazing, especially Visual. for someone so young. You know, like that yeah. got you so worked up. And you know, and, and the fact that he never talked, the fact that he had like, I don't know why he had security guards with him. I don't know if it was his, for his protection or other people's. I'm pretty sure it was other people's protection. It was, it was the visual. He was so badass that like they had to make sure he didn't kill people on yeah. the way to the ring. But I mean. Say what you will about the end of Starcade. I thought it was dumb with the sh- with the you know taser and all the that. cattle prod, the cattle prod, and then Nash winning when huh Nash became the Booker a month before that, and all of a sudden he's beating Goldberg streak. And well, I, I have a problem with almost every streak in wrestling being a disappointment ending. I have this problem with Asuka's streak. I have this problem with Goldberg I wasn't streak. Disappointed in that one though. Oh no, not well, no, no, not the the, the actual end of the uh, streak. I was yeah. disappointed with what happened directly after. Oh that yeah, and what the, has continued to happen. Now I mean like Taker streak. Ugh, it was like I started on yeah. that. Yeah. But I mean, okay. I've never seen it successfully done uh, to like yeah to the high the the, 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 per, the person still is riding high or is doesn't stumble and fall on the car yeah. like as Oscar did for a while there or as Goldberg did briefly. But uh, to continue on after the finger poke of doom, you know Russo comes in, mm-hmm. and it's, it's weird to think that he would that was after. The finger poke of two and the Russo came in. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we haven't even gotten to the Viagra and a pole match. Well, yet. Russo was Russo was already writing for the company, but he was not the sole creative force yet. So Russo comes in and quickly becomes the sole creative force. So the, so he had left WWF yes. essentially because he thought he was overbooked and not given enough credit for uh, he, yeah, he, for the success of what was happening. He and the attitude era. SmackDown was looming. Like they were gonna start doing SmackDown. And he wanted more time with his family, like anybody would. And allegedly, according to him, Vince said, "For what I'm paying you, you can hire a nanny." And that's when he said, "Screw this, I'm gone." And he so he was also when uh, SmackDown was coming. Was he was not expected to write both of them for the yeah. same? Like, yeah, it was just more work. More work for the same price, which is the wrestlers expected to do too. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but you know, he and his writing partner Ed Ferreira go down there, and unlike in WWE where they had to run things through Vince Vince, Vince McMahon, he was the ultimate say so. Um, there really was no one that you could go to that was the ultimate yes or no person in WCW. That's how Vince Russo got all of his crap over. They're like, whatever, you're in charge, you're creative, do it. So I guess after oh, Ted man. Turner, it would be Russo in charge at that point, right? And Ted didn't seem like a very hands-on type Ted, guy. Ted was, was just... t- well, see, here's the thing. There was eventually a merger between Ty- uh, Turner Time Warner and AOL, and Ted was out. He was, you know, got a window seat. You're but home. for the time he was in, he was essentially, from what I know, like very hands off. He was just, Yo, I like wrestling. Hands, yeah. You do what you do. Just compete with me. Ma- it made my network, you know. But uh, ultimately, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but the head of creative should not be the the guy that's the ultimate decision maker. He should have run it through somebody. The or so like I know checks and balances. Yeah, I know a made by committee feel gets bad, but like having no. Just having yes men is, well, is not, or even know, no men is worse. If you were in WCW when you went to someone and got a no, you could always go to someone else and get a yes. If you're in WWF and you go to Vince and get a no, it's no. Yeah. It's over. And that's how that's how we got the Viagra in a pole match. That's how we got the, that 70s guy, Mike Awesome. That's how we got, you know, Jim Duggan as a Canadian turncoat. Didn't I put Buff Bagwell's mom on a pole at one point? He was going to get there. Judy Bagwell on a forklift. <laughs> and that's how we got, you know, 
Bash at the Beach 2000, where Jeff Jarrett laid down for Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And then, which was part of the plan. The wasn't finger poke part two. Yeah, what like wasn't part of the plan was Vince Russo coming out and cutting a profanity lace promo on Hulk Hogan. Because let me tell you people what happened out here in this ring tonight. All day long, I'm playing politics with Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan tonight wants to play his creative control card. And to Hulk Hogan, that meant that tonight in the middle of this ring, when he knew it was bullshit, he beats Jeff Jarrett. Well, guess what? Hogan got his wish. Hogan got his belt and he went the hell home. And I promise everybody or else I'll go in the goddamn grave. You will never see that piece of shit again. Amen. And that was already 2000, so we're already, they're already way down in ratings. Because for the whole time that WCW was beating WWF, they were still pretty close. They were a point to two points apart from each other. But at that point, WWF was working like it wasn't being lazy. It was bringing in new talent. It was trying. Yeah. It, was, it was literally inventing the Attitude Era. It's always Steve been said Austin. by like guys like Chris Jericho and Steve Austin and uh, Dean Malenko. It's like yeah, if you wanted to, you know, the top of the card in in WCW had the bigger names, but the matches, the match quality was on the undercard. Where oh at, yeah, well, that's what one of the things Brandon said again with, yeah. like, with his whole rewatch recently. Like, was the matches that impressed him most were the middle card matches. Those Halloween, ha- matches. Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety seven. I dare you to find two different matches, which might be a break in the scale in the future. Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero was one of the greatest lucha libre matches ever in the United States. And then you compare it to the horrendous cage match between Hogan and Piper in the main event, and you're like. Man, their main events suck, but their undercard is awesome. Right, and well, they also I think they had the the best middle uh, or yeah. uh, lightweight division. Uh, yes. when they brought in the, the cruiserweights, yeah, the cruiserweights, the cruiserweights the exactly. They brought in Japanese the luchadors. Guys. They brought in you had people like Dean Malenko or yeah. uh, you know who were Chris Jericho, Chris Eddie Guerrero, Jer- not Chavo even Guerrero. typically small guys, but small yeah. by the Hogan standard. But, well, okay. but they made that work to their their advantage, right? Yeah, let, let's look at guys like X Pac, who is considered one of the greatest little men ever. The dude's six one. He's not small. You know, he's 6'1", 215, 220. He's the big dude in the real world. <laughs> yeah, but I guess by wrestling standards, that makes him a midget or, yeah. or below average That makes height. him a cruiserweight, apparently. Yeah. But when we get, you know, to the WWF, and they've got the hot, hot main events with Austin, The Rock, Taker, Kane. At that point, they have Mankind. They've, Mankind. they've taken Mick Foley and turned him in one of the hottest yeah. properties. You and know. then they're like, hey... There's Chris Jericho sitting there and Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko and Perry Saturn and make them all stars to varying degrees. You know? Or at least give them a, a reason. A, I mean, at least, at least give them the chance to shine, which I think Eddie, they were. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, and Chris Benoit never would have gotten the chance they got in WCW that they got in the WWF. No, I don't think they would have had the title runs that they no. had. They wouldn't be lauded and like you know considered all-time greats if they had just continued to be what they were in Jericho maybe just because I think he would have found a way on the mic just to get himself over I don't think <laughs> no one they, the, the glass ceiling was too thick I, I do love the idea that Jericho never once like did he not get I guess he got permission but they didn't really know more or less what he was going to say when he would do those 
So th- this this is what Jericho has said, and uh, Tony Schiavone has said. Some people said that there was when Nitro would go on the air, they didn't have a run sheet. They had no idea what was going to happen. And they were filling two hours back then. Two to three, depending yeah. on the time frame. There was a while it was a three hour show, and they're like. We'll, we'll figure it out once we go on the air. It's like we can't go on there with no format, with no program. We have to know what we're doing. But um, so Jericho would just, I would just be like, "Hey, I can kill twenty minutes." Yeah, I came prepared. Excuse me, Malenko, you claim to be the man of a thousand holds, but I counted, and you know about sixty. But I know a thousand and four, and I wrote them all down. Here we go. Hold one, arm drag. Hold two, arm bar. Hold three, the moss-covered, three-handled family gradunzel. Why does he just mail us this list and we'll announce it? Arm bar. He's just ranting. Number five, the Saskatchewan spinning nerve hole. This must be meathead microphone night. You think so? He's got 998 to go. Get the hook, we're out of here. Shut up. And so the ratings were to tank for WCW. Because at the time, so we're talking 2000 to the end 2001, the difference is like four or five points. When they were always within about a two-point range of each other. Yeah. So we're talking, this is a huge gap in in difference now. But WCW is still the highest-rated program on both TNT and TBS. What ultimately led, what was the final nail in the coffin to WCW was this guy named Jamie Kellner. Have you ever heard his name before? No, no I think I, I mean, if I have, it's in passing, but yeah. it's not with the... So uh... he was a Turner Broadcasting Executive, and he was the one that was reformatting TNT and TBS, which is what they are still today. TNT is the drama network, you know, we know drama. Yeah. And TBS is the Blue comedy Bulls. network. <laughs> yeah, very funny. He canceled Nitro and Thunder, even though they were the two highest-rated shows on each channel, because they're in the rebranding, it wouldn't work. WCW is not going to fit into the new format of TNT and TBS. No show has gotten the ratings, even at the end where they sucked, that that show has gotten, which is possibly why AEW is talking to these two networks. <laughs> but Yeah, that might, that'll might that be a future topic we'll have to discuss if that goes through. Yeah. And so, I mean, overall, you would, so you, we have someone at the network you could blame. You could totally yeah. blame... Because once, I mean, Hogan the, yeah. and the upper talent for demanding so much money and creative control and stifling uh, younger talent. Which B- is, Bischoff was trying to buy the company from Turner Broadcasting. And almost very nearly had it. Yeah, the deal was signed. The letter of intent was signed. But once the... Uh, they didn't have a... Uh, one, yeah, once he got kicked off the network, it was... Uh, it was worthless. Yeah. Only McMahon knowing, oh, I can buy that tape library and make millions. Yeah. But, I mean, WCW, up until Bischoff was there, and to an extent until when Bischoff was there, was a company that was run like by the wrong people. One of the first executives in, in WCW was a guy named Jim Hurd, who's a St. Louis local, who was an executive at Pizza Hut and was the program director of Channel 11, KPLR, here in town. Well, yeah, our local station. And that's why he was the one, he was looked at as somewhat of a wrestling guy because we had wrestling at the chase, which is one of the all-time legendary wrestling programs. Yeah, St. Louis is a huge yeah. wrestler, especially in that time period. It was, it was, it was on, to wane yeah, a little bit. But. It was on Channel 11. So he was like, well, you know wrestling. Come on, come run this company. He had no idea what the fuck he was doing. He wanted to cut Ric Flair's hair and change his name to Spartacus. It's like, it's Ric Flair. <laughs> okay, let me go to Vince. I, I want to see the alternate universe where, where Ric yeah. Flair is Spartacus. Let me go Instead to, of saying, woo, he would just keep yeah. screaming Spartacus. Yeah, let me go to Vince and have arguably one of the best two-year runs of my career and then come back and have another great run, and then it'll all fall apart in WCW in the end. <laughs> 
But, I mean, ultimately, like I said, the blame is on Jamie Kellner because he's the one that made the call. Do you think they could have survived with if Kellner would have? If Bischoff had gotten the deal done and they still had the TV time. Um, do you think they could have came back from the slipping ratings? They, do you think they would have ever gone back to the I don't know if they the would glory have, of the NWO like I think, heyday? I think that the TV tide by 2001 had already turned. There were a lot of people who were already starting to watch television on the internet. Yeah. And, or not only that, but you had tapes and DVDs coming yeah. out so you could you could keep up with uh ECW at the time, you know, yeah. you, you could get the tapes or you could you know uh when did, it, yeah. when did DVD start? Late 90s. Late 90s. 2000s, they would have started. 2002 be, be, is when it became the dominant form. Yeah, they became ubiquitous then. But, too, I mean, ultimately, I think if he'd... They would have had a they would have had a home, and they would have probably still be alive in the context of the ratings were still good enough to be on the air. If they'd kept them on there, even in, in a different time slot, maybe. If they put them to weekends, maybe they still would have worked. I don't know. But I think it would have maybe lasted a little longer. But I'm not sure if it would still be alive or not. Maybe, possibly. Yeah, but even if it would have folded in 2005 instead of say, or, you know, early two, yeah, yeah, I think they would have changed WWF a lot. Yeah, you know, and what they were able to do because they, we wouldn't like, have had the brand split. We wouldn't have had all this stuff where they yeah, to, the, yeah the invasion storyline that ended up happening. We and, certainly like, wouldn't have Ring of Honor and Impact, which yeah. oddly enough, both those companies have survived longer than WCW did. That is wild, yeah. and and. I wonder if the kids who grew up with Impact with with these companies are gonna reminisce about them the way that me and you do about I old hope so. WCW. I hope so. I do too, but it, but like I think there was something about it being on TV, and it was like I don't I don't know that wrestling's ever gonna get back to the point where that many people watch it. I mean, maybe with the internet, more people do now. It's hard, I mean, it's hard to guess. I'm I'm almost certain that there's never been a time where more people are watching wrestling. It's just that you it's hard to trace. Yeah. When you're watching online. Like I'm pretty there was sure. there was certainly a time where more people went to see wrestling, but that was because it wasn't as ready. Yeah, but now you can watch it on TV, on your computer, on anything. I can I can, I can watch literally watch brand new wrestling all day through various streaming services. I can never see something twice. Yeah, I mean honestly, if you want to keep yeah. up with all wrestling going on, that would be a twenty four hour job in yeah. and of itself. I do my best. <laughs> But changing over to the more extreme side of the ledger, which actually happened because of WCW's. Uh, because Heyman was a, a WCW guy. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and when, yeah, ECW he, is, is directly... Resp- uh, uh, WCW. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, well, WCW yeah, birthed ECW in a certain way. Paul E. Dangerously was not happy with the way he was being used in WCW. The, uh, for, uh, for example, they named him Paul E. Dangerously. <laughs> eh, I thought it was kind of cool. The Dangerous Alliance. It, I liked that staple. It was cool. They'd be on my Mount Rushmore stage. I just remember him walking down at one point in a giant sombrero. Yes. I don't know why, but I like that image. I think it's in one of the documentaries that sticks <laughs> with me. And the look on his face just says, I'm not happy here. Yeah. But we go to, he goes up to Philadelphia to NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling, which was an, obviously an NWA affiliate owned by his friend Todd Gordon and Eddie Gilbert. Well, Todd and Eddie had a falling out, and Paul comes in to kind of mend fences and help run the program. Eventually, he buys Todd Gordon out, and he becomes the owner and executive producer of ECW. Now, at this time, the NWA is trying to recoup what they were. This is 1994. So they have a a tournament in the ECW arena to crown a brand new NWA champion after WCW leaves the NWA without a champion. The finals are Shane Douglas, the franchise, and Two Cold Scorpio, two guys who I've always liked to watch work. Shane Douglas... Scorpio's still working today. Right? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. on and off. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Ah, big crackhead. Anyway, <laughs> he is. He is. Two stories about that guy, Scorpio. Uh, big crackhead, per McFoley in his book. 
and owner of possibly the biggest dong in pro wrestling, according to also Mick Foley. Really? Yes. <laughs> Foley called him. Well, he had to testify in court in his part of his book where he called Scorpio a genitalia freak, and they actually wanted clarification what that meant. It's like ah, for the record of the court, it means he had a big penis. <laughs> <laughs> but Shane Douglas goes over and wins the NWA championship, and proceeds to throw it down. And say that, you know, Dusty Rhodes and Ricky Steamboat and all those Ric Flair can kiss my ass. I am the... Just shitting on the yeah, 80s wrestling yeah, le- I am, legacy. I choose to be, carry the torch of ECW. And that was when Extreme Championship Wrestling was born. television said I'm closing NWA ECW and I'm opening ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling and then it wasn't long before he was bought out by Heyman hey, he had already been bought out oh, had he but he was still the online he was still the on air commissioner like the Jack Tunney type of commissioner guy yeah but in ECW starts getting this real real underswell of fan support and they end up getting McFoley, which is funny how that worked out because he was in a, uh, so it was in a tr- it was in a talent swap was that yes. it right? It was to settle a lawsuit that Heyman had put against WCW, so they sent Kevin Sullivan and McFoley up there to work, their tag team champions, and he's like McFoley's like yeah but you think hey I still got a title even though I lost here today and he spits on the WCW title and throws it down, that gets him fired. And Paul's like, oh, that sucks. That happened after I told you to do that. Hey, come work for me. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got, I mean, <laughs> do you know, okay, first of all, the Sandman. 
love the gimmick, Singapore cane, beer swollen, violent guy. Do you know why he's Sandman? The name? Yeah. No, I I always our, assumed it was a Metallica reference, but I no. think that was probably predated the Metallica song. Maybe. Uh, no. No, it would have been after. No, it would have been after. But uh, his original gimmick was a surfer. He was the Sandman. Oh my god. <laughs> and they realized that was dumb. I mean, I'm a beer swilling, cane swinging. Especially with that look. Like maybe when he was younger, but there is no way you buy a guy with that big, big of a beer belly as, yeah. a, as a surfer. <laughs> well, he, when he wore a body glove suit, and it was a body glove. I'm <laughs> but they they bring that that Japanese deathmatch style, not quite the same level like FMW did in Japan, where it was you know no rope, barbed wire, explosion. The stuff that even I remember yeah. as a kid making me feel uncomfortable because yeah, this, it didn't seem yeah, fake at all. The stuff I made you, you know. watch. Yeah. <laughs> so ECW part of I remember th- asking you how much blood is in a person. <laughs> Frankly, let me tell you about let me tell you about the Muda scale. <laughs> I think that might have been it might have been yeah, it, was know, that it, it was one of those matches match. where I was just like they, they can't have more. How are you not, like <laughs> But they start bringing it wasn't nearly that extent, but it was it was close. It was about as close as you can get in America to the fans that were, you know, to without get, the police knocking down your door. Yeah, the acclimated yeah. to it. Do you and, think ECW would have worked anywhere but Philadelphia at, the, course, at that yeah, time period? Really? Was, I think, like, so much of me, like, when I rewatch it. Because Philly's so violent and crazy. I mean, this is, yeah. This is, this, these are fans in Philly who cheered when Michael Irvin broke his neck and they booed Santa Claus. <laughs> They, they they went crazy. I mean, it was mostly a crowd of men, but went crazy anytime a woman was yeah. uh, thrown into the, a match. And they hurt. threw they threw they threw a D cell batteries at GD Drew, so it's like yeah, these are not nice people. But yeah, I think that it would have worked in Chicago, St. Louis, Los Angeles, New York, the big places where ECW was really popular. Yeah. You know? Do you? I mean, do you remember me telling you when I went to an ECW show the one time they came to St. Louis? Uh, no, I don't think it was nineteen ninety nine or ninety eight. Russell Palooza, which was a dumb name for a show. I remember going to the show and legitimately being scared because I'm like, I'm gonna get hurt. Well, yeah, and you watch a lot of those old mm. ones. It's they're not they're in small. Like I've yeah. been in I've been in indie shows that are bigger than some of the venues they're in. They're yeah. tiny, mm-hmm. and it, I don't know. Like there's something to be said about a very ravenous crowd, but it does get to a point where you fear for your own damn safety. Mm-hmm. But as, as we as we as you know, ECW started to get that groundswell and. Tape trading. I loved it. I got all these ECW tapes, all these various shows. I'm like, this is pretty cool. And they do like these real world storylines, like when uh, Raven brainwashed Sandman's son. If you remember that storyline. Oh, I love that storyline. Yeah. That's very like, I mean, yeah. it, it works with the um, the shitty cameras and stuff that they had in the 90s. Like yeah. it, it, they didn't they didn't have a budget. So everything yeah. they did was extremely low budget. And they did the best but that kind of worked with it because they were doing this grainy everyday man. Like. Even like the Tommy Dreamer character, who was their uh, their pretty boy. Yeah, by mo- by most standards, he's not that pretty. Like the, the he's dick, a good looking d- man, but you know he had the pers- suspenders. He was a big dick dancer, but then like just be a badass. Yeah, and work with <laughs> it. And uh, it started, you know, it started to get really more and more underground counterculture popular. You know, Raven, Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, and then the the BWO, okay. which was fucking hilarious. Yeah, or then you had, like, but they also had people, you know, they'd bring in, you know, Sabu in there, yeah. who you know, I don't think I'd ever seen a man that scarred. Yeah, and they and, had, they actually also had great wrestling. They had the first look at Jericho. They had Guerrero and Malenko. Yeah. They had Mysterio. They had Psychosis. Yeah, but they brought in, a, they brought in a bunch of uh, yeah. luchadors also. Conan brought the luchadors to ECW first before he brought them to WCW. <laughs> That was also the problem. So, so WCW is kind of responsible for ECW and then started stealing ECW's 
talent. Talent and, and like, WWE and ideas, started, started stealing their mantra. You know, attitude. Yeah, was just ECW. Some people say I say it's, I say they're partially correct. I don't think WWF attitude was all ECW. I think it was. I think part of it was just the '90s. Yeah. you know, like everything mm-hmm. had that attitude edge. It was the it was the Gen X time, right? Like, of course, the, yeah. yeah, the apathy. But and secretly, this whole time, allegedly, to so it, it, is it true? Like, yes, and I think in our, it's so, completely true. Vince McMahon was financing ECW for the last few years just to keep them open to have to be able to compete with WCW and you know have that other option there. Yeah, well, he, and also he was. Uh, Vacuuming up talent, wasn't he? Yeah. Essentially, he was using it as a tra- what, what NXT is today. Yeah, like, the training ground. He would take something when it was really good, and he would transfer it over. Yeah, Let's, Austin came from ECW. Yeah, he he, yeah. he he cultivated the Stone Cold character there. Yeah, because he was pissed. Was he not allowed to wrestle at first because he was still under contract? Is that why he kept um, doing? He was partially injured. Okay, because I remember, I, like, yeah. that's my favorite part of ECW is that when, when he's Austin shows air, up, yeah. he just, sh- he, he has the toupee on. Yeah, the, he's just, the, the Eric like, Bischoff. And the, the very the, angry promos. The steve mania Yeah. all great stuff. You're Steve Austin! You know, that's what you're wrong me, Joey, because Steve Austin doesn't have what it takes to get it done in the ECW, brother. I was never allowed to reach past mid-card status in the WCW, brother. So you know what, dude? I looked at the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, brother, and I knew that I had to say my prayers. I had to take the vitamins. Brother, I had to start training it. I had to get my mind right to do what it takes to get it done in the ECW, dude. And let me tell you something. I've been saying my Brother Steve, Steve Avania, I'm taking the vitamins. I'm saying my fist. I'm not gonna do this anywhere, not even in ECW, because there's no way this layman is gonna get the job done anywhere. Anywhere. But what a weird company because like they don't, you because when people think of them they think of them for violence yeah. but they had a blue world order yeah. w- you know the blue meanie which was hilarious and all that stuff going on and then they ha- you know they could do they could do comedy they could do serious wrestling they could yeah. do blood and guts but like we talked about earlier with what ultimately led to the death of these companies eventually their great leader ended up being their greatest hindrance because the check started bouncing the money wasn't there. And you know, yeah, I wonder. You, I, that, I always wonder if that's going to be the case with WWE. I never. There's, if, there's if no Vince, way. They're too. They Vince are, is too big to fail. People. They are too big to fail. Yeah. I mean, but they're run by committee at a certain point, aren't they? They're, uh, they're no, a, Vince is still in charge. Uh, Vince is the final say. So unless someone can talk him out of it, it's going to be Vince's way. But the checks are bouncing, and the big talent are leaving. Lance Storm, Sandman. Tommy Dreamer stayed around. Raven left for back for WWE. Came back. Went then with WWE. <laughs> Uh, you know, Meanie, Stevie Richards, all these guys started leaving. And he Sabu tried, left, I believe. Sabu yeah. for a little bit. And he tried to build them back up, but the money wasn't there. And what really was the shit about it was they got, they finally got a TV deal on the Nashville Network, which might sound like, man, it's a shitty place for, for ECW, but at least it was a TV deal. The problem was that TNN did not promote the show at all. You had to know when it was on to know when it was on. 
the only time that they brought that they mentioned the show when it was on was when the when show was, was on. on. So like you already found it. At you that can point. catch ECW and TNN Fridays at seven. It's I know. Way, I'm the fucking way we, watching. The way it. we promote our podcast, like download us. You already have. You're listening to us. Yeah. Well, just in the future reference, yeah. you know. I, I like the idea that if you went back in time though, looked at the yeah. TV guide, it, like instead of saying ECW for that like hour block, it was just blank. Like I yeah. don't, know, we don't know. Well, think about it. Like there was like. <laughs> They had a roller derby show that was the lead-in ro- roller. I jam. remember. Did you, you used to? Because you used to put that on before. It, yeah, I'd like, yeah. There was. I didn't know roller derby was a real thing. I think I'd only seen it in like cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is this crap? And there was something other that was on. I forget what it was, but it was some dumb show that was just I have no interest in watching. But then again, like I said, wrestling fans don't watch other programming on the network normally. Yeah. But there's two other factors that led to the end of ECW. One was that TNN only brought in ECW to test the waters to see if fans would watch wrestling to get WWF programming, which they did. And then yeah. they re- then they rebranded Spike and became this huge network. Without the Mans the network. You know, yeah, now they're, well, now they're Paramount Network, which is whatever. And then what also was a bit of Paul Heyman being a bad businessman. Acclaim owned them a shitload of money. A couple of TV distributors from their syndication deals owed them a shit ton of money. Some uh, music licensing people owed them a shit ton of money. They all three told him, look, we can buy or we can sell this debt for less than we owe you in bankruptcy court when you go under. So we're not going to pay you. We're going to let you go under and then pay it off to your whoever buys your debt. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's business, but that's also... Paul Heyman being like, well, I fucked that up pretty good. Yeah. And not only that, because I think... I mean, the people who really suffered were the were the Tommy yeah. Dreamers, the people who were there every week, folding chairs, and the, and the, and the, and the not guys that paid. sacrificed what would have been like you know if he would have left in '99 when he had a lot of prime still to go, he could have done the Raven. Like Raven yeah. didn't last in WWE, but he had he got he a couple had a good paychecks, run, he had and he good... got enough paychecks to like all right, I you know I I use what w, ECW was yeah. to launch pad myself and get, had at a, least have a start. He had a good run in in WCW and a good run in WWE. Was it as good as his run in ECW? No, but he made money. Yeah. So, final little thoughts on the ECW thing. Do you know where the final the last ever ECW show was? Now this is we're not talking about the revival of ECW. No, we're talking WWF, about the like actual. The, when was that like 2005, six, six, six? The actual final ECW show was in Cape Girardeau. It was a house show. Was it? They were Aww. supposed to be in Cape Girardeau, and then there was to be in Little Rock the next night. I know that because a friend of mine was getting a tryout in in Little Rock the next night. He's like, hey, he's talking. He's talking to Tommy Dreamer. He's like, I got a tryout t- tomorrow night in uh, Little Rock. He's like, and eh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you did have a tryout. Yeah. And we did have a yeah. wrestling company. Yeah. No longer. Nobody knew that ECW was done until Paul Heyman walked out on Raw as a new commentator. Like, Rhino talks about, like, what the fuck is this? See, that's going to seem like the ultimate betrayal for the guy who... who yeah. Because when he was around, he was beating into everyone's heads that you do, like WCW is the enemy. The Tal- like is Tommy Dreamer called it. Yeah, you're, the, you're you joining, joining the, the Taliban. Taliban. I love that quote. Yeah. Um, but I love that. Like that's kind of I don't know. I I love Paul Heyman because he's such a good actor, but he does seem like a kind of guy that. I mean, he still seems to have a lot of people that consider him friends. But yeah. I I feel like there must be a lot of bad bad blood. Yeah. But that love and that fervor for uh, ECW still existed so long. You still hear the ECW chants in arenas. Especially in Philly, don't yeah, you? Which, yeah, which is why you got the ECW One Night Stand pay per view, which was so successful after the ECW Rise and Fall DVD, and then that they decided we'll do another one. 
Well, let's bring it back as its own brand and then just fuck it up. Keith, do you want to talk about the revival for a minute? Because like yeah. the revival had some great. I mean, it, it brought us CM Punk, you know, Kofi right? Kingston, Zack yeah. Ryder, Jack it, Swagger. It, either, yeah, but it also gave us Big Show as ECW champion and yeah. and, and storytelling of that, which which seems to be like written by people who never saw ECW. You got Batista and you've got Big Show in the ring at an ECW show in the Hammerstein Ballroom, and they're getting you both suck. You both. Yeah, that's not an EC. It's that's not ECW. No, it's the Big not. Show Batista. Are not which that would I just don't know why they did that like if you're gonna try to make it a go you would think you would take all this talent that I'll tell you well I, th I think it was I think it became doomed for two reasons the start of the PG era and they couldn't be ECW at all anymore even remotely and the Mattel contract because Mattel didn't want to be associated with anything that was super hardcore which is like like Mattel canceled the Dean Ambrose uh Nia Jax intergender angle you don't know that or not they, no. they they're the ones who put the kibosh on that. Well, because they didn't want to yeah, be associated with the intergender wrestling. I now okay, like part of me understands that a company that we don't want men and women fighting because yeah. there's a bad history and, and obviously, but it's intergender wrestling is like it, it's I I don't know I'm a, I'm a complete fan of it. I can we can turn this whole podcast indie, into my soapbox on the indie level. We've seen it many times and it's I don't it works, see a problem with it. It works fine as long as you tell smart stories with it you and know, you're not offensive. I love it. seeing a. Dropping some local indie talent. I love seeing Savannah Stone work Snitch. I thought that was a fun match. Oh, it's a great match. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my like. I absolutely love it because I I, th I just think it does a disservice to like, but split them apart you know, and be like they can't be in the ring together. So we'll put a bow on this one and just say like WCW. I mean, rest in peace, but good riddance. You were you limped to the finish line. You yeah, but you had a couple good years yeah. there. You know, EC I feel like WCW is like an like an. Uh, analogy of my life is like hey you had yeah. a few good years you're gonna live to the finish line yeah but you know you brought us a couple things we enjoyed now while the ECWWE may have hurt the legacy of ECW there's still that fan base out there. there's people that are my age a little older and slightly a little younger that's still like man that was a great that was that was fun which is why you know I think hopefully AEW learns the lessons of these two companies the two different mistakes and the many mistakes they made and goes forward I mean, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, uh, they got the money behind them for sure. Yeah, and the Bullet Club was nothing if not a inspiration for or inspired by uh, the NWO, the NWO DX, exactly. The Four Horsemen, every other faction. Yeah, ever. so I love the fact that they're doing it, and so apparently they're very conscious of what they're pulling from, what they're calling from, and hopefully they'll do it right. Yeah, I do miss ECW, and that's probably the thing I miss most is that I, never I, knowing what's going to happen. I miss having options of where the wrestlers can go and make money. Because, I mean, you can go to Impact, and you can go to Ring of Honor, you can make money, but you're going to have to work the indies to do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I could turn on Nitro on Mondays, and, oh, my God, look, Hogan's there, well, Luger's there. There was a while, at least a couple years, where it seemed like every other week you turned it on, someone who was just on one program jumped ship and was Rick on Rick Rue was on both in the same night. Right. Yeah, there was those moments, and like you don't see that anymore. Now they're like they end, and you you see it online, and then three months I mean, later, the they, last they time the last time we, we, we really got that that was a big thing was AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, how quickly he came in, but yeah. yeah, but other than that, usually there's especially with the internet nowadays, there's always rumors killing it, and people yeah. tend to know before it happens. Someone sees him and posts it on Twitter, and so I mean, f final thoughts: Do you think that the wrestling industry is worse off without these two companies around? 
I, it's hard to say. I would have loved to have seen a universe where all three of these companies were still yeah. around today, but I, I, don't, I don't think you would get AEW if they yeah. were. I don't think that we're worse off for them not being around. I think the product kind of stagnated a while without there being competition. Yeah. I don't think wrestling would be what it is without those two companies. Oh, no, though. of course not. They both brought a very important, like... But I think that, like, you're, you're seeing a bit of improvement, a bit more, uh, like, to some extent improvement in WWE. There's things I still don't like about it, things that piss me off a lot. But you're seeing things improve because AEW's there and Ring of Honor is there, and they're actually starting Impact to feel the uh, the heat under yeah. their ass. That someone's New Japan, not, yeah. and like New Japan is even there now, and it's like maybe we're gonna get some stuff going again. Yeah, because when WWE yeah. did the network, they were kind of the. They, I don't think they were the first to do it, but they were like the first to do. They the were the first network. wrestling company to do. Yeah, service. but now that everyone can do it and everyone is, it's yeah. like oh, sh you know, the, the thing that once made us special is now uh, the thing that's gonna give us a lot of competition. Yeah. They, Which hopefully, if it does nothing but give us more yeah. better written wrestling, I'm all for it. Ease of, access ease of accessibility is what we're all talking about here. Yeah. So, I mean, they're gonna do it for this episode. You think? Yeah, I think we. I mean, yeah, I, I mean I, people touch. Uh, people have touched on ECW and WCW yeah. for hours and hours and hours. That's a pretty. But if yeah, if you have any, if you have any more thoughts, something we missed, something you'd like us to talk about again, or if tell us we're wrong, or add some information to it, you can get us on Twitter at body underscore slammed, Facebook. Facebook.com slash body slammed. Yeah. Please join the wrestling guessing, guessing game. game yeah. You're going to lose to me. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but until next time, for rate, uh, yeah, yeah, rate, rate review, subscribe. subscribe. And, you can uh, find us on uh, Google Play, iTunes, pretty much anywhere. Po Stitcher. I yeah. think we're trying to get on Spotify. But trying to, but there's a list. Man, they jumped through some hoops. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> but in all that being said, until next time, for Franklin, I'm TJ, and you've just been body slammed. Yes. <laughs>